Hey dreamers, welcome to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you've been led here, I believe it was on purpose. You are created and loved by God and your life is full of purpose. If you've been sitting in a season of searching or unfulfillment and you're ready to change your life and hear from God, this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Polly Payne, the CEO and founder of Horatio Printing, and I'm here to lead you in tactical, practical, faith-led trainings to help make your God-sized dreams a reality in your life and your business. Your dreams matter because you matter. So open up your planner, pour a cup of coffee, and let's dream together. Welcome, friends. I'm so excited to bring you a special episode with a dear, dear friend of mine, Amy Brady. Amy Brady is an incredible teacher, author. She's my spiritual director. She's a trauma-informed yoga, holy yoga instructor or Christian yoga instructor. She can correct me, Um, but she's just an amazing woman who has really been a light in my life, a gift in my life. And I like to bring her on as often as possible to the podcast. Um, If you want to listen to more of Amy and I's conversations, you can jump back to episode 14, where she taught us how to craft a mini Sabbath in your week. Um, Or you can go back to episode 26, where we talked about breaking strongholds of past relationships um, and moving past different things that were kind of holding us back. So anyways, that being said, we're going to dive into today's special um, conversation all about preparing our heart for Christmas. So welcome, Amy, to the show. Oh, thank you, Polly. I always love my time with you. Yay. So Amy is the author of our Christmas devotional, Away in a Manger, which we released last year. It was in our subscription boxes and we released um, a limited edition version of that last year. And it sold out in two hours, which we were blown away and also bummed (laughs) that we didn't buy more at the time. So this year, I'm so excited. We're bringing it back and I cannot wait to fill this out because it truly blessed me so much. This devotional that she wrote Many moons ago, um, I got a copy of it from her when we were meeting up back when I lived in Florida, and I just loved it. It was so good, and I did it two years in a row, and I was like, Amy, can I reprint this and make it beautiful? Because the paper was really glossy, (laughs) and I wanted some matte, (laughs) thick Horatio paper, and she said, let's do it. So we reprinted it, gave it some new cover art um, and a little breath. Um, inside with some journaling lines. And so I'm just so excited. We're bringing it back again this year. And so we're going to talk about that, but more importantly, we're going to talk about really the importance of preparing our heart for the holidays. It's crazy that as you guys are listening to this, it's about, it's pretty much two months till Christmas. Look at your calendar right now. You're either watching this on the 22nd or maybe the 25th. Um, It's two months till Christmas and this devotional starts on the 1st of December. So you want to, you need to order it before in order to have it in your hands by December 1st. Um, So we're releasing it October 26th at 10 AM. So mark your planner, October 26th at 10 AM. That's when we're going to be releasing them. And hopefully they don't sell out as quickly, but hopefully they do, you know, and hopefully they go to everyone's homes and get in their hands. But Amy, tell, let's take the listeners back to 
um, when you wrote this and why you wrote this? Mm, Wow. Um, So I wrote this book as a way to process myself why Christmas wasn't fun anymore for me. I was um, a very young mom and my children were, let's see, probably um, early grade school and maybe preschool ages. And there is just no other time like Christmas when your kids are that age. It is so incredibly special. And I was working so hard to create uh, traditions and memories for our family um, and had been doing that for a couple of years. But then I noticed that like December 26, I would sit um, in a total fog, <laughs> um, a holiday hangover um, of epic proportions from doing so much and think to myself, what just happened? Like it, I was just, it was all a blur. And I began to feel a sadness within myself that I didn't seem to have the same Christmas experience that my family had because I was curating Christmas for them, but not really for myself. Um, And so the next year I determined, I'm like, that's it. This year I've got to figure out how I can get my Christmas joy back, how I can let this be um, a really special, sweet time, not just for my family, but for me and my relationship with Jesus. Um, So I had been asked to speak at a very large event for Christmas. It was a Christmas um, event for women. And I had been asked to speak. And the year before I attended and Karen Kingsbury was the, um, the, uh, the speaker. And as she was speaking, I wrote on a napkin, um, you know, I'm always thinking, I'm always kind of creating in my head. I was like, gosh, you know, if I ever spoke at something like this, what would I, it's such a, it's such a big thing. Christmas is like a big deal. It's like speaking at mother's day. There are expectations, (laughs) from people. you know, (laughs) they want to hear something. They want to feel something. And so as a speaker, I felt that, you know, almost like pressure. I'm like, you know, what would I say? This is, it's a really big deal. You're kicking off people's holidays. Um, and I wrote down, um, away in a manger um, cause I began to reflect basically, I guess she was probably speaking about something that got my creative juices flowing. And I was like, you know, Jesus was the way, and he was also a way sent to us in a manger. And so I just began thinking about that all through the next year. So fast forward, I'm now the speaker. And I thought, you know, it would be really nice is if I was already starting to write Bible studies, if these women had like a little guide, you know, to take them through. I wasn't familiar with Advent at that time in my life and the understanding of that, but it'd be great for them to have something to kind of um, go through during the holidays, a little Bible verse and a thought, right, for the day. And um, I was six weeks out from the event and I sat down to do it and out came Away in a Manger, the Advent devotional, um, because I just couldn't stop. and. I loved, I just felt so prepared for Christmas myself that year after having written it, everything was so fresh in my heart. And I learned from that experience that if I want to prepare my heart for the holidays, not prepare my home, not prepare um, my to-do list, but if I want to prepare my heart, 
I have to be intentional because the Christmas season for a woman is like being in a river with an extremely strong current. And so as soon as you jump in or you put your boat in, it will carry you whether or not you want to be carried. Um, It will push you. It will determine kind of like your days for the next 25 days that you have to be intentional about taking back your Christmas and having that time where you are carving out, even if it's five minutes, we so underestimate what Jesus can do with five minutes. Um, But if we don't set that time aside, um, the current of the season will take it away from us. So intentionality is key. I love that. We can underestimate what Jesus can do in five minutes. That's so good. I often do my soaps in 15 minutes and I feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I should be doing longer, you know, or like, Mm. like you shouldn't fit Jesus in a 15 minute box. You know, I hear these voices in my head. Yeah. Look at what Jesus can do in five minutes, you know? And yes. Um, yes, it's just so critical to carve it out and have that intentionality because it's not something mm-hmm. we deem as urgent. And there's so many mm-hmm. urgent things in our lives, especially, mm-hmm. you know, as if you're a busy mom or just a woman, you know, it's like you have so much going on. It's hard to make that a priority and we, we get it. Um, yeah. We have to be yeah. intentional. Yes. I mean, if we say on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to make time for heaven to come to earth. And so we, so many times we get caught up and I have done this most of my adult life and it's just a newer path and a newer journey for me in the last couple of years to realize that when I sit down and kind of scold myself inwardly, I scold my inner Christian. And I tell her that it's not enough, that it wasn't, you know, it's not enough time. And if she just got her schedule right, and if she really cared about her relationship with Jesus, she would do thus and such. When I'm doing that, it's because I fully believe that my relationship with Jesus is dependent upon what I can do. And that is not true. My relationship with Jesus is dependent upon what I'm offering. And if I'm offering him myself and I'm offering him my heart, it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or 50 minutes, he's going to do something with that because he's the only one making it happen anyway. All he ever asks for is availability. He doesn't, there's nothing in the Bible that says how long you're supposed to spend time with Jesus. You give him the best that you can. And you move on because he does the rest. And it's the same with this time of the year. It's like um, the last thing Jesus wants to be is our to-do list Mm -hmm. because relationships are not to-do list. Relationships are experiences. If I put in a silent night, I've dropped the kids off at school and I'm going back to, I'm going to work or I'm going to do, you know, my errands or go back to the house to start working on a project. And I put in silent night 
and I have a prayerful heart and I'm listening to those words and I'm thinking about those words and I'm thinking about Jesus and, and what it's the song is saying about him and what is saying about God's love for me. And then I get home and that song is five minutes long, three minutes long, four minutes long. That is worth more than if I spent three hours putting information about Jesus into my head. Because one is knowledge and the other is knowing. And we Mm. want to know. We want to know and be known. Knowledge is just, is, is what you see when someone's, you know, super smart and they're talking about something, but they don't know the nuance of what they're talking about because they haven't experienced it. They haven't tested it. So it's not about knowledge when we sit down and have times with Jesus. It's about knowing, knowing him and being known by him. Wow. Mic drop. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing Jesus wants to be is our to-do list. It's about knowing, not just knowledge. That is so good, Amy. Every time we hang out, it's like, I get, I feel like I have all these bricks on my shoulder that I didn't know I was carrying. And you're just like, here, Mm. let me take this one off your shoulder. Let's take this one off your shoulder. Let's take this one off your heart. You know, I don't know if that resonates with you, but one thing it does, one thing I've learned from you is it's really all comes back to your heart posture when you're doing an activity, when you are um, doing anything that you would consider like secular and not Mm -hmm. sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, You can turn it sacred in a way. Everything is sacred. It It just has to do with your heart posture and bringing Jesus into the middle of it, whether you're cooking or reading a book with your child or anything, changing diapers. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You can bring God into all times um, with your, just your heart posture and remembering and knowing that he's there with you. Yes. So yes, let's talk, absolutely. Let's talk about like the holiday blur because mm. it helped me through this a couple times. And this holiday season in particular, <laughs> Christmas Day is going to be like a week, uh, less than a week from my due date. So this mm. one's, this one's going to be a doozy. But in years past, living in New York and then getting married in New York and having family in Alabama and family in Colorado, uh, you know, holidays were okay. We're we'll go here for Thanksgiving and there for Christmas. So every holiday, I'm at JFK, I'm at LaGuardia, or God forbid, Newark, and I'm flying and checking stuff and getting in the car. You know, it's just been crazy. And then with the baby, it's been hauling her, you know, in the airplane, COVID, everything. So um, it's just been kind of stressful. So a lot of us do have to travel and we want to travel because we want to have those times with our family. It's very precious to have it. So what would you say to somebody who, you know, their holiday is going to be really wrapped up in um, being at someone else's house, using someone else's bathroom. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. not not in your space. Um, What would you say to that person who, who has to travel and like, in terms of being intentional and, but also enjoying the holiday if you have your own little family. Mm, Yeah. I think when I hear that, I'm thinking, what would 50 year old Amy tell 23 year old Amy? (laughs) Because, you know, when we, 
when I was younger, that's what all our Christmases were like. You know, we would, um, after we moved to Orlando, um, you know, we would take off and go to families and be gone the whole day. Um, you know, sun up to sundown, going to this person's house and this person's house and this person's house. And I remember the year that I, I personally decided we wouldn't travel on Christmas anymore. My husband and I, um, and that's not an option for everybody. And it wasn't for almost a decade for us. So, but it was the day that I realized I put my son, um, to bed. I, my youngest was very fresh, very new. Um, and he was, you know, not even a year yet. And my oldest was like four and I went to kiss him goodnight. And I realized that except for that morning, when we did the gifts and Santa and stuff, I I hadn't really seen him all day. He had been in someone else's lap. He had been playing with cousins. He had been here, there and everywhere busy, you know, just like Mm -hmm. little kids are. And for some people that might be the blessing you need this Christmas, right? (laughs) Is to know that your child is safe and loved and cared for by many people. But for me, I'm super sentimental about things with my children. And I just remember thinking when it comes to Christmas, I want to know I connected, like connected. I wanted to feel present um, with my children. And so I realized that I, I had not felt present. Um, so that was when I started, you know, rethinking about not too long until this devotional, but I really had started thinking like, you know, how, how can I do this differently? One of the things I wish I would have told myself is let go of your version of what perfect looks like, Mm -hmm. because most of us come to this season as women, either trying to recreate the Christmases that we grew up with because our moms did a bang up job or we're trying to create something we didn't experience. And both can be extremely suffocating because instead of being present in what you have to give to your family, because your family doesn't need the Christmas you had, they need the Christmas you're going to provide. And your family doesn't need what you missed out on. They need what you're going to provide. And so I wish that I would have given myself permission to do things differently, to create our own traditions, to not do things that didn't suit our family. One of the greatest lessons I learned as a young mom was um, this small sentence when people would ask why we did things different than the status quo. I would say, because that's what works for our family. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That was the beginning and the end of it because that's just what works for it. How come your kids aren't in three sports and piano? Cause this, you know, one sport at a time, this is just what works for our family. How come y'all aren't coming up for Christmas? Because this is just what works for our family. Um, that just learned to, to say that's what works. <laughs> and, you know, like a couple of years ago when you guys were going to be traveling at Christmas and I was like, Holly, have your Christmas before. You know, that was speaking out of those lessons that I learned of you don't have to have Christmas with your family on Christmas day. If you're going to be spending it with 16 other people in a house and everyone's sleeping up on blow up mattresses, 
you know, and there's people everywhere using one bathroom. I know these experiences personally, (laughs) you know, then, then reach in and rescue Christmas, pull it up out of the 25th and plump it down into your calendar, wherever it fits best, wherever you can do it, be present and have joy. That's when you need to have Christmas. I love Maybe that. you do it when you get back, yeah. you know, maybe you just go have Christmas and you come back and you guys keep your tree up and you have, I mean, who wouldn't want to have Christmas day twice, you know? So you enjoy that. You give yourself permission to do what's right for your family. I love that. And we did that. It was so great. It was Jane's first Christmas and part of me just really wanted something super simple and at home. Plus, you know, we bought our presents and we were going to be flying across the country. So it was like, I want, if we're putting up a tree here, I want to do Christmas, you know? And it was just Mm -hmm. so nice. We did it on December 18th. We blocked off the whole day and treated it like a true Christmas. I cooked my breakfast. Mm -hmm. We had a roast. You know, Jane was obviously on the nice list and she got a bunch of stuff. And it was just (laughs) so fun watching her do that. And I do want to say like my parents and my in-laws do a fantastic job. No one's on blow up mattresses. They do. They go above and beyond to to host us very well. And, and we have great, you know, experiences um, doing holidays with them, but there is just something so special about um, having that present moment with your immediate family and all that eye contact Mm. and just the memories Mm -hmm. that you're creating as your new family unit. And that was my first Christmas as the new family unit. And, um, it was so nice. I feel like you just kind of gave me permission to do that. And it was like, okay, yeah. Like who would want two Christmases? It really was wonderful. And so we're, we're definitely going to be doing that. But this year, we're not traveling anywhere because I'm going to be on the no-fly list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yes. is going to be a little bit interesting. So, Well, and even this year, it's going to be mm-hmm. you and Luke looking at what, what can we toss overboard. I call it lightening the ship. So when you are on this journey of life, your life is a, is a boat. You're carrying all kinds of cargo. A lot of it's precious, but a lot of it isn't. When you mm-hmm. get into stormy seasons, when the waves get rough and, and the ship is going back and forth, you've got to figure out what can I toss overboard so that I don't sink. If you come into December 26 sick and exhausted and tired that your family doesn't want that either. One of the things I wanted to say too, probably was, um, I can't remember who said this, if it was Maya Angelou or quite frankly, if it was Tyler Perry as Medea, but either way, <laughs> it's wisdom. Um, it oh, says, yeah. <laughs> you, yes, you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. You teach people how to treat you. And one of the things I've learned is that a lot of the things that I think, you know, everybody expects this from me for Christmas and everybody's expecting this and everybody's expecting that. Yeah, they're going to have expectations, of course, right? But who gave them sometimes the expectations to begin with? I did. I taught these people how to treat me at Christmas to expect this, 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 and this, and to expect 
fanfare and to expect, you know, all these things. I'm the one who created 722 traditions that now some people can't live without. I did that. And so I have to kind of, I've had to undo that. One of the greatest gifts I had was the Christmas after we brought our oldest daughter home um, through adoption from China. And I was now a mother again after not having a small child in my house for 10 years. And now I had um, a two and a half year old who really manifested in behaviors more like a one and a half year old and who I didn't know at the time had undiagnosed autism. And so life was rough. And I realized really quickly, I wasn't going to be able to give my other kids in the house the Christmas they were used to. I, I just didn't have it in me physically. Um, I couldn't get to the stores with, you know, because she was still struggling to sit in the car seat or I couldn't leave her because she would, you know, have a lot of trauma from that. So we went and got a tree and I brought it in the house and I brought in the decorations and I looked at my boys who were then 13 and 16. And I said, okay, guys, I need you to decorate the Christmas tree. And they looked at me, are you serious? And it wasn't like a no way, like you're going to allow us to decorate the Christmas tree. Yes. But what if it, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how close you put the ornaments to each other or that you put two Santa ornaments right next to each other. Well, let's just say on top of each other. I don't care. I'm not going to fix it. Just, can you just do it? And I sat and held hope in the rocking chair and I watched those boys have the time of their life decorating that tree. And that is what my joy was that year. Not how well I got the tree up and then it looked beautiful because I'm very artsy. So it's like an art project for me, decorating the Christmas tree. And so it's very, you know, um, relaxing and cathartic. And I just really get a, a very much a creative outlet from it. But my joy came from watching my kids decorate the Christmas tree and talk about the ornaments and make jokes about ones. And what is this? This one's creepy. How long have you had this creepy Santa? Like all kinds of fun stuff like that. The other Christmas memory that I have that was a very, a big lesson learner was I had had this casserole growing up that my mom would make at Christmas. I loved it. Okay. And my husband had had it before and liked it. And I realized I hadn't had it in years. So I decided I was going to make this casserole. By the time I was done, I literally hated the casserole because I forgot how much work went into it. Now I'm doing this on Christmas day. And, you know, because we do our stuff in the morning and then we eat like, you know, mid afternoon. And I sat down so excited for them to try this casserole and everything else. And I was so tired that when they all took a bite and said they didn't like it, I burst into tears at the Christmas table. <laughs> burst into tears. Told them how ungrateful they all were that they did not like my mom's broccoli rice and cheese casserole that I grew up on. And then they felt terrible. And my husband looked at me very patient. He's a very patient man. And he said, honey, if this is what's, what it's going to be like for you to make a meal for us on Christmas, we'd rather have pizza because we'd rather have you calm and happy than putting yourself through this. What a man. And I have, and I, it changed the game for me. 
Mm-hmm. It changed the game for me with so many things. I realized these are my expectations and I'm putting pressure on myself and then I'm putting pressure on other people and then I'm teaching them to expect things. So several years ago, I decided I make a lasagna a week or two ahead of time. I freeze it and I pop that baby in the oven toss together a salad, some great olive oil seasonings and garlic bread. And that is Christmas dinner because Mm. I am not in the, I'm not in the kitchen. I'm not, everyone loves my lasagna. It's homemade. It probably costs about 50 bucks to make it because of all the fancy cheese and all (laughs) the things that I put in there to make it amazing. But I give myself a gift of time with my family on Christmas. And that's what works for our family. (laughs) And that's what works for our family. And have I had, I have one of my sons is a massive traditionalist. When I told him I was making lasagna the first time, you could see the disappointment all across his face. And usually that would be triggering for me, but I had to look at him and say, able to understand what it's like to be with four children and Christmas. So you and Jesus can work that out together, but we're having lasagna. And I'm sorry that disappoints you. You know, today's not your day. Maybe tomorrow will be, you know, I I just had to move on with it. But those were things that I began to create pockets of space in my approach to the holidays. And those pockets of space are places where I put Jesus time with Jesus sitting at the, you know, putting everybody to bed at night and sitting up for another half hour in front of the Christmas tree by myself with the lights on, listening to music, thinking about the ornaments, thanking God for the things that I had, thanking God with tears for the gifts that are under my tree, Mm -hmm. probably to excess, (laughs) you know, that no, that, that somebody five miles from my house is, is not enjoying that night. Mm -hmm. You know, I began to reflect on my year, you know, what, do I want to leave behind? What do I want to take into the new year? You know, or maybe I spent that time praying um, about different things that were on my heart, but we have to be very intentional. Amen. That's so good. And I hope that everybody will consider joining us for this Christmas devotional that 31 days in December. It's such a wonderful devotional away in a manger. And I want to quickly tell you guys what to expect inside the devotional. So it's a, each day there is a little Bible verse, a a message, and then a space for you to write. And Amy set up this devotional in sections based on the different, I guess, uh, names of God, titles of God. Mm -hmm. It's from Mm -hmm. Isaiah 9, 6. I'm going to read it from the King James Version. It says, for unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Mm. Yeah, I chose that verse to base the devotional on, because when I was putting it together, I thought to myself, okay, this is a verse that is so quoted at Christmas, right? It's, it's a quintessential 
Christmas Bible verse. And then I thought, you know, God could have given Jesus any names he wanted. Like he's telling us he's sending a savior and he's telling us some things about him. Not a lot of things, just a few things. And out of all the things, these are the things he wanted us to know about him. That he was wonderful. That he was a counselor. That he was an almighty God. An everlasting father. And the prince of peace. And I began to think these must be things I need to know. Like that I need from him. These are attributes of Jesus, of God that I need And so he's letting me know, hey, he's going to be this for you. Listen to him, follow him. So I thought it would be really neat to break it down into sections and kind of take one of those words and see what else the Bible has to say about him in that attribute. And what other ways does the Bible tell us he's wonderful? And what other ways does the Bible tell us he's a counselor, that he's an almighty God, that he's an everlasting father, and that he's a prince of peace? And then what might my life look like? If I actually believed him to be that, or I allowed him to be that, and I put it into practice. So in a way, we take each one of those titles or those attributes, and we kind of meditate on it. We ruminate on it for five days. Um, There's five lessons to each one. And we just kind of sit there and we kind of steep in it and we soak in it for a little bit. And we're open to the Holy Spirit saying, what is it that you want me to hear? in this, this year, how this, cause you can read it this year and you can read it next year and you're going to get something different because every year we need him in one of those ways differently because our circumstances change and we're somewhere different spiritually and emotionally and in a different season of life. Um, and so I just felt like how this is a Christmas verse, but these are things we need all year, you know? So how can I take this out of Christmas and put it into practice in my life for the rest of the year. So good. So you guys make sure you mark your planner for October 26th and you can order your devotional. And when you order it, you also are going to get some bonuses. So make sure you check out the website to see what those bonuses are. It, the inventory will go live at 10 a.m. And I put all of Amy's links down below to sign up for spiritual direction, to connect with her on Instagram um, over at Evergreen Soul Wellness. She is incredible. She has been a helpful counselor to me. And so I know you're going to want to connect with her as well. Thanks for listening to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a quick 30-second review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, share it with a friend, share it on social media. I just want to thank you in advance for helping to advance this mission. Have a wonderful day. You are so loved, and I truly believe the best is yet to come.